Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Take something iconic, like the all-electric 2024 Fiat 500e. Add something electrica. Bring the swagger. And an Italian icon is remixed and ready to drop with its available premium JBL audio system. Tap the banner to learn more. Fiat is a registered trademark of FCA Group Marketing SPA. Used under license by FCA US LLC. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. And this is episode 105. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host. This week, drinks writer Hannah recommends some great new garnishes to perk up your gin. Think bay, grapefruit and black pepper. I'm introducing some brilliant local products we've featured in our latest issue, including Cornish Gouda and smoked black pudding. And lastly, web assistant Amanda tells us how to eat your way around Bologna. Let's have a listen. This is Alex here, and I'm chatting to Hannah, our drinks writer, about all things gin. So it's World Gin Day on Saturday, Mm -hmm. so the 9th of June. So um, we have found some really great ways to pair your gin and to create the perfect G&Ts, because you've probably seen all over the UK, um, gin has been a trend for for many years now, but now you can get the huge goblets full of uh, gin and tonics. And um, in the past few years what you now see is really pimped up G&Ts, don't mm. you? So we have gone through our favourite British gins mm. and uh, found some perfect pairings. So there is lots of information about this and many more gins. We've got about 20 of our favourite British gins on olivemagazine.com. If you just type in best British gins, you'll find them all there. But we're going to go into a bit more detail about some of our favourites, aren't we, Hannah? Yes, definitely. There are so many different types of gin out there that it can be a bit overwhelming working out um, you know, what goes best um so we're just going to take you through some of the main flavor profiles of gin suggest some kind of good examples and the kind of garnishes you can use to pair with them um so first up is um so the kind of probably the most popular type of gin are kind of juniper led gins Mm -hmm. um really classic um london dry gins are kind of the perfect example um really strong juniper flavor quite rich um generally you need something to kind of cut sort of cut against the richness and add a bit of freshness so um any kind of citrus garnish so um anything from grapefruit peel to a classic slice of lemon um is really good for this type of gin um if you're looking for an example um smith london dry gin is a really good one and again serve that with a slice of lime or any kind of citrus and it's Mm -hmm. perfect Nice, simple one to start. Mm. Um, yeah, and then we can go into something a bit more uh, unusual. So there's lots of spice gins around. And if you look on the website, and also we included um, a feature in the magazine about our favourite spice gins, mm-hmm. there's loads to be found. But one of our favourite is Ophir. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's O-P-H-I-R. I, that's how I that's what I, <laughs> yeah. that's how I pronounce it. We'll say it. that's right <laughs> for now. So this is a really, really 
well-balanced spice gin like it's perfect for autumnal nights but also it's actually really great for the summer because it's actually really refreshing even Mm. though um it's got all the spice in so there's lots of different um there's lots of different spices from the spice fruit so they take inspiration from all over the spice fruit to then get the journey back to Britain, mm. uh, which is quite a nice story, really. And there's lots of spices such as kubeb peppers from Malaysia, um, cumin seeds from Turkey, uh, juniper from Venice, and coriander from Morocco. And also they've got some Spanish orange peel in there, which um, yeah brings it back to yeah. closer to home. And in order to cut through, again, to cut through these like really strong spice spices, we suggest uh, serving with something citrusy, but mm. something quite sweet, like a orange. Mm. Um, again, in this particular gin, you're going to bring out the orange peel flavour. So with, with your pairings, it's often great to identify a particular yeah, uh, botanical. Exactly. And then something, maybe, for example, I love cardamom. Mm. So in this gin, I would definitely serve it with cardamom pods mm. because I love cardamom and it'll bring out the natural botanical from the gin. Yep. Um, but then if you loved star anise, for example, you can put some star anise in and that'll bring that you out as put well. A cinnamon stick in. You mm. can, yeah. Whatever you fancy. <laughs> um, and sort of the next kind of um, main kind of category um, are floral gins. Uh, there's a huge number of these about. Um, the most obvious example is Hendrix. Um, so, yeah, very fragrant. Um they're often very perfumed gins. Um, so when it comes to garnishes, you really want something that's going to add a bit of freshness and kind of cut against the richness of, of these gins. Um, again, citrus is a great garnish to use or um, fresh vegetables and fruit. So mm. obviously Hendrix cucumber is a classic garnish. Um, but you can use other things like um, apple, strawberry, um, mm. fresh herbs as well, I think are a really nice addition. Um, so... One example of a of a floral gin that's on our gin roundup online is uh, Rock Rose, um, really fruity, really fruity gin. Uh, it's got botanicals of rose root, sea buckthorn, rowan berries, um, all kind of native to uh, the part of Northern Scotland where where the gin's made, um, and that is best with a rosemary garnish. So again, something quite fragrant and fresh, just to kind of pep it up a little bit, basically, yeah. and. Again, another really common style of gin is kind of citrus, citrus forward gins. Again, citrus garnishes go really well with it with with, with these kind of gins because you, you know it's you kind of want to emphasise the kind of astringent, fresh flavours. Um, so one a really good example is Portobello Road Gin. Mm, my favourite. Um, yeah, it's lovely. Um, that um, is really good with a twist of grapefruit and also some cracked black pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyone who may, uh, making a trip to London soon um, should head to Exos Market where they've actually opened up a sort of Spanish-style restaurant and bar. And their kind of uh, main selling point are these um, sort of G&T Plus drinks, which are basically like um, gin and tonics served in massive Spanish-style copper to ballons, ballon glasses, but with like really kind of fully loaded garnishes, um, bitters removed. So they're kind of like a sort of blurring the line between a classic G&T and a cocktail. Yeah. Um, but they're really good. That's the thing, isn't it? Because we were, um, when we were like researching this, we were looking at um, recipes and gin and tonic now comes under 
rather than mixer mm. and spirit, it comes under cocktail. Yeah. Because it is a cocktail, really, mm. isn't it? Because you've got all of the added extras and it's mm. not just a bog standard Schweppes. Nothing I, wrong with Schweppes. I, no. We like Schweppes, but not just like a gin and Schweppes. It's now like there's all these amazing flavoured tonics and like Fever Tree do a really good Mediterranean one, for example. Mm. And then you've got all these garnishes. So it really adds to the gin and like the whole idea is bringing out those botanicals, isn't it? So, mm. which is what a cocktail does. It's like a way to serve something and really showcase the flavours of the spirit. And it, um, it's, a, you know, it's a really easy way to be really creative with your cocktails without actually having to use or buy tonnes of different ingredients. Exactly. Um, because, you know, there are so many differences between different styles of gin, so many, so many botanicals, so you can really play with... Um, you know, the kind of flavours you want to bring forward. Yeah. And speaking of cocktails and gin cocktails, it's Negroni month this month, um, which is obviously a great month. We're a big fan of Negroni in the office. And so the last style of gin is a very herbaceous style. Mm. And um, we have chosen as our gin of the month on the website this month, um, the East London Liquor Company batch number two. So um, this... It's a lovely distillery. Um, was the first gin distillery in London's East End in over 100 years. And it's actually based in an old glue factory in Bow Wharf, which is in, East London, in the East End. Um, and they've got, they created this batch number two gin for a Negroni, like mm. purely for, for that reason. They've got lots of other gins as well. And it's made with 11 botanicals inspired by an English herb garden. So you've got thyme and sage bay leaves all sorts and the the real herbaceous and savory flavor and it um, makes it stand up really well in negroni and yeah. it's also got um some lovely oily notes so that really helps as well but this type of i think this is probably my favorite type of gin this really herbaceous style because it's not british but gin mare is like my favorite i think mm. because it's got rosemary and thyme and all these amazing mediterranean herbs in it and so those are served best if it's not in Negroni, <laughs> um, served best with, for example, a fresh um, a sprig of fresh rosemary to really mm. bring out that flavour again. Or also we often serve it, we often have Jim Murray in the office and we have it with rosemary and orange, again, just to really bring out the orange flavour and to freshen it up a little bit. Um, yeah, but that's, I think that's my favourite gin serve. Yeah, I think so, <laughs> me too. So, yeah, so the, these are the kind of, hopefully this has provided some helpful info um, when it comes to spicing up your G&T garnishes. Um, there's a couple of really good places in London which um, serve a lot of different gins and pair, and for each gin, they'll, off, they'll offer um, an individual garnish and tonic pairing. So Ask for Janice in Farringdon. Yeah, that's great. Which is a great place, does that. And also Temper City, um, which not only offers individual pairings for their G&Ts, but they'll also offer for each gin the perfect martini recipe. So great. lots of opportunity for exploring the menu. Yeah. Um, it's also World Martini Day, Sue. I'm not sure what date it is, but yeah, <laughs> an excuse to have lots of martinis. Definitely. Um, and the last bit of gin-related um, news is our editor, Laura Rowe, will be giving a talk on gin at the Craft Drink Festival in Birmingham on the 28th of July. So mm. um, if you're around, you should definitely head 
over and see her yeah. talk. And if you're not in Birmingham, you can, of course, go to olivemagazine.com and we've got plenty of gin info there. We've got best British gins, best unusual gins, also some great distilleries to visit and also some best gin bars in the UK so you can go and find out where to drink your gin. Mm. Well, for now, thank you. Hello, so this is Laura, the editor of Olive, and I'm here with lovely Janine, who you'll know very well, (laughs) the host (laughs) and our food director, (laughs) Janine again. Um, So we thought we'd have a quick chat about one of the features that was in our May issue, and it's probably one of my favourite features we've done since I joined as editor, because it goes back to kind of what we're all about, and it's about celebrating brilliant, brilliant ingredients. And this was in celebration of our British issue, and um, Janine came up with this great idea to celebrate the the ingredients from our land that um, inspire her to do great recipes. Yeah, because so, yeah, I mean, tell, we yeah we um, we start with um we always just start with. I was thinking today about how we got into like how we got all of these um, people involved that are involved, and we just sat down me and Adam and talked about things that we'd eaten recently or things that we'd come across that were like kind of just incredible taste and ingredients. But then once you get into it, you realise that a lot of them have got a really good story mm. behind them as well, which is, you know, the payoff. It's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> um, so, for example, um, one of my favourite discoveries of last year was Cornish Gouda. Um, this and was such a good recipe. <laughs> I found this through... Um, I was actually went to do a, another podcast with Morgan McGlynn, who's got a cheese shop in Muswell Hill, and she said, you've got to try this Cornish Gouda. It's incredible. Yeah. And I... I've just raved about it. <laughs> so when this came up, I was like, I'm definitely going to do that. But the story is that the um, the guy who's the cheesemaker, Gil Sperrings, um, they're a, a family from the Netherlands. They moved here. They started a dairy farm. Um, the dairy farm was failing, um, and it was in, under threat of closure in 2012. And he, um, I think he'd just finished college, and he basically said, right, we need to do something about this. So he he went back to the Netherlands, learned how to make gouda, and then came and, and made it. And, with, and nailed and, it. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it, basically. And I think he, um, a few years later, he won the best hard cheese at the World Cheese Awards, oh, which nice. is a great accolade but it's basically just such a lovely product and it's also um, great that he managed to turn something that was failing into something that's now thriving. Yeah, definitely a really inspiring story yeah. and Janine's recipe is so good. Yeah, can so we I talk made, about I basically the made a cheese toast. <laughs> but can we talk about this cheese toast because it's got like... I want to say cheese lace around the outside, which yeah. is next level, like the well, best we, bit of a cheese toasty. The best bit of cheese toasty is, like, if you use a breville, um, is the bit where the cheese escapes <laughs> and crusts itself on the kind of hot plate and then becomes extra crusty cheese. Mm. So so the cheese toasty itself is stuffed with... Um, it's stuffed with gouda and chilli jam, and then it's kind of um, bathed in, like, an egg and milk thing. So it's like a French toast. Mm. And then we fried it and then we added extra grated cheese to the outside and then we fried it again. So you get like crunchy. Yeah, it's pretty out of control. It's so good. (laughs) So, so good. Um, It reminds me, actually, I went to a cheese school with Fiona Beckett years and years ago in Bristol and she said with her mac and cheese, she made like crunchy cheese shards and put them back in. Yeah, to put them back in because it's again, there's always a bit that escapes and you always try and get the corner Yeah, and no one else has it. You know, it's the bit where you make a pizza and you're always pulling that bit of crusty cheese off exactly to eat it. But yeah. Such a good recipe. Yeah, that was a cool one. And then um, another one, which again, uh, just came across my desk, was um, this actually an Irish um, product uh, by Hume 
Maguire, and he's got a, a butcher shop in um, County Meath where he's famous for his charcuterie and his butchery. Um, and he's always been really fascinated with... He's, he's sort of travelled around the world learning different charcuterie skills. Um, and he's he's always made black pudding. Um, I think he said he learned to make black pudding from his mum. So, um, so basically, he one day had this kind of light bulb moment where he'd been making the black pudding and he'd been um, experimenting with smoking and he thought, mm. why don't I smoke the black pudding, which no one's ever done before. And it's just crazy, yeah, isn't it? No. But actually what he does is he smokes it really, really slowly over beech wood. Um, so you don't get this massive hip. You, you get a really subtle smoke mm. and it just really enhances the whole flavour. Complimentary to all yeah. those lovely spices in there already. Yeah. And then... Um, he went. He won Supreme Champion at the Great Taste Award, which is why it landed on my desk. I took it home, fried it up, and had it on breakfast because that's what we do up north. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it was just like I couldn't believe it. I couldn't mind believe blown. that it really was mind blown. <laughs> Raved about it, like sent him a message on Instagram, <laughs> tweeted it, just basically went on about it quite a lot. Um, and then he sent me some more, and I made a recipe for. Um, black pudding croquettes you thought how can i improve this deep fry it yeah <laughs> but also i mean i know there's more cheese here but um but i was thinking like black pudding and blue cheese is quite mm. classic in a salad and stuff so i just made a like a croquette mix and i love that salad some... was your inspiration yeah um ended up making this kind of so you, so you've got this elements of black pudding um creamy cheesy sauce inside and then we've got a apple sauce that you dip it into because again blue cheese and apple kind of go together so I was trying to do this kind of synergy of flavors that all work together but it's basically just a great snack to have with drinks I can, I can <laughs> confirm that it is did you see in the news uh, I don't know if it was this year or last year but about the man that saved his life he got trapped the butcher got trapped in the um like chill chiller cabinet and he broke through with a frozen um black pudding. <laughs> you say like a black pudding will save <laughs> yeah. you in any yeah, that's area what I'm thinking. I've got this newfound respect for black pudding <laughs> that you should always have some about your person just you know yeah but fight. it's a great um he's he's now I think he's launching a little business off off the back of that called the smoking butcher which I'm not sure it's completely up and running yet, but um, definitely one to keep an eye out for. So, like, if you if you search Hugh Maguire Butchers, you can go on his website and have a look because he's he's a very much a small yeah. one man band, and I think people like that deserve shouting from the rooftops. Basically, about, doing basically. something really interesting yeah. and delicious, which we love. And then let's talk about one more of yours, and then they'll have to read the magazine yeah, or go we'll online to, to find out more, <laughs> won't they? Um, the Cabrito Gold. Cabrito thing, Goat. Yeah. yeah. So we just did we've done a podcast about this, um, and. I don't know if anybody listened to it but <laughs> I hope so <laughs> I hope they did because it was very popular with with people I, I got messages from quite a few people um and it's a guy called J James Wetler um who basically has founded a company called Cabrito Goat um, he used to work at um River Cottage um always been really interested in cooking and farming and what he does essentially is he takes um, goats from the, the dairy industry, like billy goats, mm. um, because uh, traditionally they were um, they were just a byproduct. They were just killed at birth, basically, which to be totally brutal about yeah. it. And it's crazy because it's he said, you know, no animal deserves to be worth nothing. So, yeah. so what he did is he became like a facilitator between dairy farms who didn't want this waste and didn't want to do it but they were literally like well we can't get any money yeah. and hook them up with various restaurants um but you know they've got they sell through a butcher shop themselves um and now you know he's he's 
getting to the point where there's quite a lot of goats coming into the, the food chain and it's becoming a trendy, thank yeah. God, trendy ingredient. Because, you know, because it's delicious. It's such a good meat and it's very, it's not what, you know, you're, you might have thought, oh, well, it's, it's quite sort of um, gamey and mm. high and whatever, but like, it's, you know, billy goat, it's not, it's, it's actually a kid goat. It's, um, yeah. it's quite a gentle flavour. If you like lamb, I think you're going to like yeah, kid goat. Yeah, definitely. It, will, it won't scare you. No. So, again, I would urge people to seek that out and try it. And, and in doing so, you're supporting, like, a real 360 farming, which is what we all should be doing, basically. Definitely. And, again, hate to say it, but Janine's recipe is just delicious. It's I did a ragu. Slow, slow, and, slow and low goat ragu <laughs> with orochetti. Well, it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's very... It, it's very easy to cook. You can you can fast cook like the chops, or I think we used a shoulder for this. And you just um, yeah, just slow cook it with loads of garlic and red wine and herbs, and it's absolutely delicious. So. Dreamy. Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel inspired to you know, support <laughs> support our British producers because yeah. um, there's some really interesting people doing things on small scales, and yeah. we should be shouting loud and proud about them Definitely, and supporting yeah. them. So yeah, and I think um, because uh, so this this week is um, will be the the week our May issue goes off sale, but you can probably still grab it or all of these recipes will eventually be online in the next couple of weeks. So Definitely. you can go and find them there. And if you have a panic that you can't find the mag or you haven't had the chance to look at it as a whole, you can always download the issues oh, via yeah. our uh, app, yeah. uh, which is very snazzy and easy to use. Yeah, so so yeah. Go, go find out about some lovely ingredients. Brilliant. Thank you, Janine. Thank you very much. Hello, it's Ellie here and I am with Amanda who um, has recently been to Bologna in Italy and she's going to talk us through some of the best places to eat and drink there. Yes, hello. Well, I'm going to at least try. <laughs> I can only eat so much pasta and drink so much red wine. It's possible, but I'm going to do a few shout outs. Um, but first, just to kind of mention about um, Bologna. Sorry, do excuse my terrible Italian <laughs> accent. So We're not fluent. No, um, but it's located in the Emilia-Romagna region, which is a northern Italy, uh, in between Florence and Venice. Um, and we actually flew into uh, Bologna itself, and then you can easily get a train to and from the different places if you wanted to um, explore around. Yeah, because it's quite, yeah, easy to get around. Um, Bologna itself is actually known, did you know, for three different nicknames, La, La Dotta, La Gressa and La Rossa. Um, Ooh, what, because, what, what, yes. Can you tell us why? <laughs> uh, which I didn't realise before I went. At, well, I realised as I was going when I was doing my research. But um, it's got a big university kind of group of people there. So oh. it's, um, one of them is university. Another one is the red due to the historic buildings and tiled roofs and everything. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's got lovely kind of walkways and things. That It's all very grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the biggest one, which is the fat because of the food. Ah, yeah. amazing. The main people <laughs> yes. And that is the main there. reason we, w- we went. Um, <laughs> and it's obviously considered one of the main culinary places in Italy. Not everyone would agree, but it's, it's well known for its fresh pasta, of course. Yeah. And so um, what... Obviously, you went to quite a few places. Yes. But um, I think one of the first ones you went to was quite a traditional little place, yeah. wasn't it? So, actually, if not probably the best one, when we landed, Ooh. I'd had a big guide of where I was going to go. And it was very close to where we were staying in the um, Ghetto Abrasio area, which is near the university. Only 10 minutes walk through a couple of streets mm. to get to the main area. 
um, but it was called Anna Maria. Um, nice. And it's kind of as it sounds. It's ran by Anna Maria, this lovely Italian <laughs> lady. We obviously never met her. Um, yeah. But um, it's a really traditional looking restaurant with pictures lining the walls of her with other nice. people and, and waiters with red kind of waistcoats on and things. Um, and we went for lunch and she makes um, a lot of traditional recipes or whatever mm. that um, come from Bologna. And the two that we went for, which is one of two of the things I was most excited for anyway, <laughs> was Hannah's Tagliatelle. So it's kind of like, it's it's an obvious choice, um, kind of like people consider bolognese, but bolognese right. isn't a thing. Right, <laughs> it's okay. It's just us kind of adapting it. Right, so what was the dish? So it's called ragu alla bolognese, but right. not as we yes. would have it here. Um, so we'd know it's spaghetti bolognese. Um, and it's traditionally served with tagliatelle. Right. Whereas, like, often in the UK, we have it with spaghetti. Have it with anything yes, fancy. Yes, whatever. Um, and Anna's tagliatelle is so thin, it actually takes only one minute to cook. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, like, so thin. Wafer thin slice yeah. of tagliatelle. Um, but and is that made all, I guess, her, yeah. by her? Yeah, well, funny enough, we also didn't know this until we walked up the street to go further. Mm. And we looked kind of up the street. It was like, oh, who's that? And they're making pasta, and this whether it was Anna Maria herself. Don't oh, know. so it's the same place. Yeah, and a few um, shops up, um, a lady was in there rolling out pasta. Wow. So you can just watch yeah, in the window. Yeah, she's just freshly making it to take it down to um, the restaurant. Oh, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And it Hyper-local. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's so delicious, like oh. really al dente, but, mm. um, yeah, amazing. And also another one we had was the, uh, I also can't pronounce this, tortellini bro a salvia. <laughs> which to you and I is the butter and sage tortellini. Ah, that one. <laughs> yes, which is also um, very traditional of mm. the area and of Anna Marie itself. And it was, yeah, they were very simple, very traditional dishes, but just so full of flavour. Did the, did the sage and brown butter, because I love that one, because it has a really, like, rich sauce, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. does it, was it, it the really, same? Yeah, there? it came through a lot, mm. very rich, but very... Just like, it, it's a really hard, I don't know the best words to explain it, but um, not that it's plain, but it was just so what it was. So, like, yeah. It's like, this is fresh pasta with butter and sage, and it was just And it's just something amazing. something yeah. that you really want to try and replicate, but yes. you can never I know. do it I'm like, how as well? is it so hard? <laughs> yeah. Why can't I do that? Um, but yeah, that was um, our first meal when we got there. Probably wow. our best. Strong one to start yeah. with. <laughs> and we just had some really nice like local red wine that they... Um, recommended to us to go with yeah. it it was really great really lovely nice. so I recommend that um, a lot and are there any other traditional ones like that that you went to um, yeah suggest? there was a few um, and not really nice one that we also went to at the end of our trip uh, it's kind of I'd say it's probably quite date nighty okay. maybe like a nice way to end and everything yeah um, it was called <laughs> here again um Brocantosa? Brocantosa? We'll, we'll go with <laughs> yeah. that. If anyone wants any written translations yes. of these, we can email them over. Oh, exactly, <laughs> we definitely can. <laughs> Terribly sorry about that. Um, but this one was one I had actually researched about mm. um, and went on a bit of a mission to find it because it's a really small door on a quiet street. You think, um, you go through like, the university halls right. and all that stuff and you're thinking, where on earth this am I going? It's quite a residential area. Yeah. But it was lovely, kind of traditional. You had to go down a few steps. You had to ring a doorbell to get in. Oh, wow. So you really had to know yeah. it was there. And, um, and then, yeah, they just put up in a really nice little corner. It's really, really sweet in there, really traditional, dainty, like, mm. homely. Yeah. And um, we went there actually not thinking we were going to eat that much because we weren't that hungry. <laughs> and it was like, oh, 
like obviously it's such a foodie place. Yes. But they're like, yeah, have a few nibbles and stuff. We're like, okay, fine. Feel rude to say no. Yeah. Out comes this um, antipasti of about ten different mini dishes. Mad. Oh my goodness. Dishes, um, veggies, the lot, and I was just like, oh my goodness, how am I going to now eat? <laughs> how can I eat this platter? Exactly. But um, again, it's for a very traditional way of like obviously eating in Italy as a whole. Like, yeah, they do long periods of time and different courses. Like to, and that's a nice way to kind of sample lots of little bits yeah, exactly. at the same time, isn't it? Yeah. And while we were there, we actually had two of the other uh, traditional dishes of the area. Okay. Um, one's called tortellini in, in broda. Broda. Oh, oh, yes. Is that the white bean? Uh, in the, the broth. In the broth. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, with just tons of parmesan on mm. top. Again, it's quite a simple dish. It's like tortellini in a really um, salty broth. Yeah. And um, with like this one came with like pork and meat and things and it was delicious and yeah you know like a lot of people i've got a really bad obsession with parmesan so yeah write that on there (laughs) keep it coming on that mountain um so that was lovely and also um green lasagnas lasagna as a whole and green lasagna is popular for that area too oh so what's green lasagna it's kind of got spin it's still it's not vegetarian right it's got um meat in it but it's got like spinach and other oh. bits and bobs in it and that's a bit of an earthy mm, flavor as yeah well. exactly mm. still creamy and all the rest yeah. of it but it was delicious Ooh. so we basically rolled out of there yeah <laughs> we were only down the road but i needed a taxi still had to. yeah um my question yeah. is yeah because my all-time favorite italian dish and dessert as i've mentioned many a time is tiramisu it is did you have some tiramisu we did actually and i was gonna i meant to mention that before in anna maria's because traditionally uh tiramisu isn't from that area but right yeah of course you know (laughs) we can still italian regardless um but uh um, Anna Maria's, they had like, um, as you would imagine traditionally, a glass window by the surface with all the desserts Amazing. in, and, like tarts, and they had like, even like an apple pie and things, but they had this big homemade tiramisu, and I was like, well, I can't leave. I can't any. not have a serving and of tiramisu. I have to say, and my boyfriend agreed, like it was definitely, because I'm not like you, Ellie. No. I like tiramisu. Amanda's a lemony girl. I'm a lemony girl, <laughs> but it was um, the best tiramisu I've ever had. Like it was wow. so creamy. It was yeah. had a really li- lovely kick of coffee in there and it was just nice soap yeah like competing oh. a lot yeah it was amazing um <laughs> nice so that are there any other um i think you mentioned when you got back you were talking about the charcuterie and the cheese yeah, did you go somewhere yeah. for that we did yeah because that's not saying about a traditional thing in mm. Bologna, the markets and everything where they've got loads of um uh, charcuterie shops meat shops pasta shops fr- lots of fresh produce in and around yeah. which is like copious general studio yeah. overwhelmed <laughs> yeah. with choice um and we actually went to um a place called salamuria simoni mm. <laughs> and um had like it was very popular like lots of people in there right. just kind of sit up on tall tables and oh, nice. choose what kind of meats and things you want and yeah it was oh. great and um they had so many meats from all over italy but the traditional one of Bologna's mortadella. Oh yes, which of I course. love anyway. Like it's that delicious. Works it's, in your favour. Exactly. <laughs> it's like slightly aromatic, but really delicate. And, yeah. Yeah. Peppery. So yeah. Quite peppery yeah, flavour. Exactly. Mm. Um, and so, can you just choose which meats yeah. you want there? Or nice. you kind of say to them, like you know, because there's a lot. Can of, I have a yeah, selection. Just give me a selection. Yeah. Of a lot kind of thing. Nice. With a nice glass of red or whatever. And we had that, and there was tons of Parmesan wheels just, like, lining the walls. Wow. um, We had loads of cheese, like, Parmesan, things like that. Um, And they also sell in there lots of their own produce, but... um, 
uh, balsamic vinegar Moderna. Okay. So that's quite also Stop. traditional. Um, and lots of that have been aged for like 100 years or whatever, wow. ages. And, and uh, you can actually buy you can, there. which we did. Nice. But didn't get it home because stupidly I got too excited and was like, I want this cheese, that cheese, I want this Parmesan, I want this, that and the other. Oh. Bought myself a balsamic vinegar and then it was over 100 milliliters because I couldn't take it home. Oh, no. <laughs> you just have to like have a really nice yeah. dinner in the airport. Mm. It was a gift to the um, airport. Oh, well, lady. I was like, well, here you Very go then. Very lucky. <laughs> um, but oh, that amazing. was one of the winner places that we mm. went. Just and you can chill in there visit. and eat as you go and yeah and they're quite bring, relaxed yeah and what's amazing also with this place is the waiters as soon as fresh focaccia or whatever's been made yeah they kind of walk around like to each table going do you want this do you Just want kind of this offering mm. wow and in bologna as well they have like uh, these like bologna sandwiches where it's like focaccia and the mortadella and whatnot oh wow and they're like you know, even though I've just eaten yeah. 16 <laughs> slices of mozzarella like, and yeah. a loaf of bread, they're like, sandwich now? And I'm like, mm. <laughs> There is no judgment there. Yeah, but it's That's really nice. Amazing. They bring it around just as an offering. Yeah. You could think, oh, I could take that home. So, but yeah, so that was amazing. And um, when it comes to breakfast, yeah. we always think of pastries. Well, mm. I do at least. Yeah, me too. Did you have some great pastries we and did. coffee? Oh, yeah. Because um, I'm a bit of a pastry queen. Like, I love, absolutely love any sort of pastry. Of course. Um, and we went, found this place called Papaya Bologna. Papaya okay. Bologna. And um, it's got tons of really lovely kind of, not just cakes, but like we were talking about pastries and mm. things. And we, my boyfriend, went on a little morning hike. Excursion. Yes, to get, bring me my breakfast and coffee. And, She's uh, not demanding at all. No. <laughs> and um, he brought back this, these amazing face. Generally, the best pastries I've ever had. Wow. Um, one was a prosciutto and provolone croissant. Oh, wow. Another one was, which was my favourite, the pistachio cream-filled croissant. Oh, oh yeah. nice. So did it, was that like pistachio paste? Yeah. Or was it? Pistachio paste in a cream, like wow. banged in Sandwiched there. Sandwiched in. Yeah. And then also a custard-filled, paste, custard-filled pastry and a mash of a croissant and cinnamon swirl. And, you know, we all love a cinnamon that swirl. That is like the win- so like flaky, buttery, oh, yeah. spicy. And so good. And just like really lovely, like at this place as well, because we went back in the afternoon or well, the next day to get, because mm. they had a really great selection of coffees and like nice. um, drip coffees, V60s, you know, espresso, so all a lot of business. Of and um, that's a really lovely place to go just for like spend an hour and have chat. Refuel. You. Yeah, exactly. That was really nice. nice. And another cafe we went to, which was really, um, really lovely interior. Mm. I'm not sure if it is a chain across Italy. I don't think it is, but it could be. Nonetheless, though, it was really pretty inside. Yeah. There's some really lovely little um, cannelloni cream nice things and yeah. espressos. And that's called... Adolce di Nona Vincenza. Vincenza. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm getting better at this time. <laughs> By the end of it, she is fluent. I know. <laughs> I think that's probably all right, isn't it? I think we've eaten our way around Bologna, yeah. really. I mean, there was plenty more to talk about because it is such a foodie city and, like, you can't... The good thing about it is if you're like us at yeah. Olive, where you <laughs> can't go on holiday unless we've researched and know exactly planned. where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, planned to death. Bologna is quite a good place where you don't have to plan so much. Right. Like, there aren't... Although I said this could be a chain, it didn't feel like a chain. Everywhere feels quite authentic. Yeah, quite authentic. Nice. You can get some really large traditional food and it not be too expensive. Yeah. So. Well, I'm going to go book my <laughs> flights to Bologna. Definitely. <laughs> Everyone needs to go. But Thank you, Amanda. Thanks, Ellie. 
So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. For more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can still pick up a copy of our May issue now or go and download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. <laughs>